Like a DC-3, the General Services Administration's Multiple Award Schedules program has churned along decade after decade. It's one of the government's premier programs for buying common goods and services, and it generates billions of dollars in sales. Now GSA is in the midst of consolidating 24 schedules into one sort of master schedule. For a progress report, we turn to the director of the MAS Management Office, Stephanie Schutt. Ms. Schutt, good to have you in studio. Thank you for inviting me here today. What is the overarching goal here in consolidating all of these schedules that seem like almost like you're changing the color of the sky? Yes. The main goal of this entire project is to help our entire program become more consistent. We've gotten a lot of feedback from industry, from our customer agencies, and from our own workforce related to the consistency in different groups that ended up being siloed due to the amount of schedules that we had. The other thing we found when we were talking to everyone was that not only was there a consistency issue, but there became a duplication issue because everyone was building on their own, not as an enterprise. So in the end, it created this weird guessing game where customers came in and you had to guess which one you wanted to do. And industry came in, they had to guess which one they needed to get. And so we tried to figure out the best way to get us to an easy path where you didn't have to read pages of instructions to figure out what you wanted. And then we realized the only way we're going to be able to do that is to go to one so that that guessing game was just eliminated. We can get some consistency in terms and conditions. We could remove all the duplication across the program. It sounds almost as if you could buy a given commodity on more than one schedule, but you might have different terms and conditions depending on which one you bought it from. So you could have different terms and conditions based on how that commodity was put on contract. So if you bought off a services contract that happened to have a few commodities, it would be a different way than if you were buying commodities off a contract that was just for commodities and no services. And so it was just how you came to market was just slightly differently. But in the world today, people don't usually buy just commodities or just services. Everyone's buying solutions. And so the fact that you have to go to multiple areas to get a solution just made no sense anymore. In many ways, that's a very old problem. I mean, in the early PC days, you know, you would hear stories of, well, I can buy the monitor and the CPU here, but the keyboard and the cables I have to buy somewhere else. And otherwise it was bundling and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like the sons and daughters of that problem. Yes, it definitely is. And when you mentioned the inconsistencies, is that in the terms and conditions mainly that people were encountering? No, the terms and conditions are pretty much the same for about 80%. It changes on the 20% for each of the schedules, and that's for the specific stuff. Um, the consistency comes with if you ask a question. If you're an agency, you ask GSA a question, depending on who you get and depending on their view and how they're siloed, that answer could be different. And that was something that everyone got really tired of and very frustrated with, which I can understand. It'd be like calling any company and you ask one person, they give you an answer. You call three days later, you ask another person, they give you a completely different answer. And now you're just sitting there going, okay, well, it's one of two, I hope, but you're not really sure which one it would be. And could people get more than one correct answer or was one wrong? No, in reality, both would be right, but it was from a completely different viewpoint. And so it feels like they're completely different, even though they're both the correct answer. Got it. And so this consolidation then, uh, I guess, let's begin with what it requires on the part of the agency to get this done. Because so, you said there's thousands and th- millions of combinations of 
questions and answers that can yes. happen. Yes. So for agencies, one of the things we really wanted to do is make it so that they didn't have a whole lot of change. We have a lot of orders in place. We have a lot of orders that are coming up. We cannot shut down buying things because we're doing a project. That's not a reality of life. So we needed to create something that would not disrupt any of that situation. So when we talked with agencies, we wanted to make sure everything we did did not disrupt anything that they were doing. So every order that will be in place before a contractor joins this schedule, it's going to be valid and good to go because none of the contract numbers will change. And any orders that are coming up, we've done some system fixes in there. So both sides, the legacy and the new, will be selected so that no one loses out on competition as either. So agencies don't have to learn everything during this time. Um, we're kind of going to guide them through that path with little to no resistance on their side. We're speaking with Stephanie Schutt. She is director of the Multiple Awards Schedule Program Management Office at the GSA. And what do vendors have to do? So vendors is a little bit more work. So for vendors and for our workforce. It's always been work for them. It's always been work for them. And it's going to be a little bit more work for our workforce as well. Uh, So basically, last September, October, we shut down the legacy schedules. We're still working through getting the people who started the process before that time awarded on contract. Anyone who came in after October 1st came in under the new schedule. So they're good to go. And we're actively awarding those contracts today. For anyone who is on the legacy schedules, Right now, they have received a mass modification. and Basically, that's just a modification that went out to the masses. So they've received this modification. And I they, always thought it took a papal bull to do a mass modification. You would, you would think. <laughs> but so we sent it out by email to everyone. And all it does is it aligns the terms and conditions to this consistent way. It doesn't change anything. We didn't add anything. We just deleted stuff we didn't need anymore. The American Recovery Act, we have no money, nor has there been money in that for years. We don't need that term and condition anymore. Things like that are things that we stripped out of this contract. So it wasn't so burdened full of terms and conditions that you had to read for no purpose. So this was a chance to clear the attic also, so So, to speak. We definitely took the time to delete everything, but we did make a rule, nothing new, because that way we could ensure we had a point that we could finish. When you start saying, let's do something new or fix something, Oh, there's another thing in the bucket. And then there's another thing. So we decided nothing new, but if there was something old or obsolete, let's get rid of it and be done with that. And so will you be able to, say, test whether employees now give consistent answers from, I mean, you could call five different people yourself and see if you get the same answer. So we've started to notice that we are getting more consistency on the answers. One of the things that will bring a lot more consistency, especially for our industry partners, is as we start working with them to get them down to one contract, they're only going to have one contracting officer, which means they're only talking to one person, which means the possibility of getting multiple answers is going to basically go away on its own. Sure. And getting to the terms and conditions, is there going to be a standard library from which people, the contracting officer and Mm -hmm. the vendor can agree that these will be in there or will everyone have the same terms and conditions? So we broke up the schedule by category. So you have the main solicitation that lists the main terms and conditions for the contract. And that's that 80% that everyone gets. And then we did the specific terms and conditions by category, because if you are an IT company, you probably don't want to look at office supplies. You probably just want to look at IT. So we have an information technology category. You would download that attachment For the large category terms and conditions, subcategory terms and conditions, 
or special item number terms and conditions if they exist. But that way it kind of brought it down a bit and we could group things together more easily so the industry knew exactly what was expected of them, but also agencies could search our solicitation more actively and find things more quickly. So you've consolidated, but it's not exactly one size fits all either. The world will never be one size fits all. That's just a fact of life. So we've created this vehicle to be something that will fit multiple combinations of what you're coming to market and how you're coming to market and be a little bit more flexible for both our industry and our customer agency. And this will all be in final form when? So it's final now. So the, the solicitation's final now and contractors are moving over. We're right around 50% of our contractors have moved to the new solicitation. Our next step will be in July, we'll start phase three. And this is going to be working with industry to get everyone down to one contract. And based on what types of orders and blanket purchase agreements, that probably could take anywhere from a couple of years to five years. But once that's done, our main goal is just get everyone from one contract for a contractor. And that's the main goal of the project. And what's the current rate of sales, by the way, going through the MAS? It's around $32 billion of business volume goes through that contract vehicle every single year. Yeah, so that's nothing to sneeze at. And no. <laughs> final question, what's the status of the price reduction clause? Oh, the price reductions clause. That clause is still in there. We do have the transactional data reporting as well. So we have two options for people to pick from. You can do the commercial sales practice with that price reductions clause, or you can do the transactional data reporting. However, in the pilot, you have to have a pilot special item number to opt into that for your contract. But there are those two options. This will also allow us to review how that pr- the price reduction clause actually helps government or helps industry or hinders industry or any of those things because we'll have two different things that we can measure. And at some point, the multiple award schedule will have to coexist with the electronic marketplace if that project ever gets yes. done. Are you thinking about how those will be different if they have to be or maybe redundant? So we're going to have to definitely look at that. I don't think anyone's going to know until the elect- the e-commerce platform is really up and going Once that's up and going, we can actually look at both programs and see what's good for industry, what's good for government, what works for everyone, what makes it easy for everyone. And that's really the goal of all of these projects. Stephanie Schutt is director of the Multiple Awards Schedule Program Office at the General Services Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As we continue to face COVID-19, we're now facing flu season. Influenza has the potential to infect millions, putting lives and the healthcare system at risk. Now more than ever, it's essential to protect yourself from influenza by getting the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is safe and effective and can't give you the flu. To protect yourself and those at highest risk, get your flu vaccine. Learn more at michigan.gov flu. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on, and you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.